Coming up, Battle of the Weirdest Band Name Rights. Yeah. This is episode two of Verse Chorus Verse. Course verse episode two. This is the podcast for you, music nerds, by us two music nerds. With I'm me stoked. is the Les Claypool of Boise, Sven Knutson. Hello, hello, Sven. How are you? I am fantastic this evening. Thank you. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. It's Sunday, so I'm doing a dark beer instead of a hard A. But you, you're one upping me. It looks like I, I'm rocking the Woodford Reserve bourbon again. And I've got a beer somewhere nice. around here. So, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> well, we're uh, we're gonna jump in here. First of all, thank you so much for listening. Please go to versecourseverse.com, the website. Make sure to download the episode, review the episodes, tell your friends about the episodes, keep us rolling in all the dough. We're doing this on a Sunday this week instead because you had in laws and you also got the uh, COVID shot yesterday are you more tired than you've ever been right now i wouldn't say more than i've ever been but yeah that definitely definitely takes a little toll um ebbs and flows right now i'm doing pretty good but i've had had moments where just tired as a dog no fun <laughs> yeah. but I'm, I'm assuming that's all better than covid so i'll take a little tiredness and a sore arm <laughs> So this episode, we're going to do another album review like episode one. If you didn't listen to that, go back and check it out. That was two very classic albums in Radiohead's Kid A and Stevie Wonder's Talking Book. This time, it's going to be the exact same setup, except for not a classic album. We just gave each other two random albums that we have really enjoyed and see what we think. This is what I'd say half the episodes are going to be like. Then we're going to go into some other stuff. As far as listening to the album this week, I think you had kind of a crazy week. How did you go about listening? We try to make sure to give it to each other in time to have it for at least a week and a half, hopefully two weeks. But I think you've been kind of crazy busy. Yeah, it was it was a struggle to get as much time as I did the last album. It yeah. was kind of my escape, so I kind of used it as my... Oh, I got to go and be, everyone be quiet. <laughs> you know, everyone in the house, shut the F up. Yeah. No, definitely <laughs> still just the headphone game. Didn't really get to like crank it up on some speakers and stuff. And typically just in the evenings. So right around this time that we usually record. Yeah, just sitting down in a chair with a beer uh, and then a notepad, jotting down some things that come to mind. I had to have my phone at the ready, looking up. A little bit of history on on the production notes and the producer and a little bit about them because we'll get into that later. So yeah, it was like phone in hand, yeah. notepad, beer. That's one aspect that I didn't really think of is how much you end up researching not only the band, but where they came from, how they originated, who their label yeah. is. And you end up kind of discovering whole new little pockets of industry that you hadn't really been aware of you you maybe less so because you've been around the whole tree fort thing a while so you probably have a pretty good 
mind to that, but yes and no. It's it's a fun yeah, part yeah. of it for me. Yeah, it's a, I think it's a great way to get the full picture of the album because the the music itself and the, the writing and instrumentation and the performance is is a huge part of the album. But then there's so much that goes on in the actual recording engineer and the way they mix it and who's mastering it. And those are just like the subtle things that go on top of the music that some cases can crush an album or can really make it shine. Right. So, no, I agree. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what this episode is going to be. He gave me an album to listen to and review. I gave him an album to listen to and review. We get to do the review however we want, however we see fit. Obviously we don't have to like it as far as how we try to buy the albums when we can we're giving each other, like I said, these albums a week or two in advance. So a lot of the times we're just not going to be able to do that. Some of the stuff moving forward, I found that anybody that shops for vinyl knows that vinyl can be hard to find, especially if you don't just want to go to Amazon and, you know, their 1795 basic right. vinyl, which I'm, I'm not saying don't do that, but who, who wants to do that? Well, you, you want to go to the band's website and buy it there or you want to do you want to find a collector and buy it there which is harder to do for some of the stuff that we're trying to find and typically and i also said this in episode one we are definitely not playing any music because it's too hard to get rights it's too hard to get licensing it's too hard to get permission uh, apparently Announcing your plans is a good way to hear God laugh because <laughs> this week we got permission to use both albums. So huge, huge thank you. And we'll say more thank yous later on as well to these bands for letting us do that. I think Sven agrees that that is an amazing thing that we're so when we're sitting here and we're like, oh, you know, the solo and it's we don't have to do that anymore. We can say that and then we can actually show you what we're talking about, which is beautiful and amazing and i can't thank these bands enough it really does mean a lot to us See, all it took was me trying to sing one stevie wonder part on episode one and you're like <laughs> yeah. no I'm, I'm gonna go get the rights yeah, like, for, for the i'm contacting music. everybody <laughs> yeah. we, we can't keep doing that no <laughs> and i love that i love bands that are like that they don't have to get sony's permission sorry that's gonna somewhere probably i didn't say that i love love you no, sony it's true it's true like, i'm wearing your headphones yeah i'll say <laughs> it i've reached out to interscope i've reached out to sony i've re reached out to universal i've reached out to all these people just trying to get in contact asking even if in some weird world we'd ever be able to use their music how much it would cost even saying something like that just to try to get through the door and they won't pay you any mind so you know we're not trying to make money off of these bands we're just wanting to talk music so i think it's very cool when groups recognize that and they have the respect for their fans to be able to let them do it we are buying the vinyls so we're, we're doing what we can i wanted to talk to you about something regarding the reviews this week i had a, a little bit of a hard time I listened to both the albums a bunch this week. I actually got a lot of time to listen to music, and I listened to both of these a lot over the last week. Both these bands kind of had a one-note thing to me when I first started listening to it, a real, okay, why are all these songs starting to sound the same sort of thing. Honestly, it took me a, about mm. two days until I realized, you know what, this isn't fair. I am comparing these to listening to 
Kid A and Talking Book for the last two weeks. So I went from listening to Talking Book, which is a complete amazing separate style to these two. And I wanted to say it because for me, it just goes to show me how freaking amazing those two albums we listened to last week are. Right. I think I had similar experience, but at the same time, I think, I don't know. I have, I have a weird ability to turn the analytic part of my brain on and off when I'm listening. And usually my first pass at an album, I'm really into the production. What am I hearing? What effect is that? What kind of compression are they using? And so it becomes more like about the gear in a weird way. And hopefully that's not disrespectful to the the artists because I do go back and then dig into the art. A lot of a lot of times that's how I kind of break that up. I think artists would like that. And in fact, if we're able to get these people on at some point, I bet that's the sort of conversations that they find refreshing and would like to hear is where'd you get the sound and what were you using for it and what made you decide to use it? That's why artists need to come and talk to music nerds, not just late night hosts. Yeah. All right. So I think we're about ready to get into it. Sven's most important question of the night, what are you drinking? On this Sunday. Oh my goodness. Well, I was drinking. I just finished off uh, during our little intro segment there my glass of uh, Woodford Reserve. Same as last week. I think I'm going to just go for that bottle till it's gone. So I I probably have enough to last me through (laughs) through episode three. And then, yeah, let's see. What I randomly grabbed a beer and didn't really look and see what it was. Is that, do you have a cooler? No, maybe. Captain Dynamite IPA, right? New Belgium, right there. I may have a cooler. <laughs> I love it. What's what's your hat? What's my hat? What what's with the? You have a like a Karate Kid hat. What Dude, is it? That's Bruce Lee. You see, Bruce. It's okay. So, oh my god, my your wife hat just for, went from uh, weird to infinitely amazing. Yeah, and and then here's the thing. I don't know which side it's on. You probably can't see San Francisco Giants logo on the side. Is that the Giants? It is. So my my wife works with a lot of sports teams. Shitty hat. (laughs) I like the Bruce Lee more than I do the Giants. I mean, I guess I don't really have anything against the Giants, but um, Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee is my man. That's an amazing hat. (laughs) And for those that are are listening, I apologize, but the bottom of his hat is freaking it's really awesome. So, right. It's like the action shot of Bruce Lee in black and white. Yeah. And you flip up the bill. Well, while we're on hats, though, I do like that you, you've you got a brewery hat. I'm a fan of, of yeah, supporting microbrews and local brews. This is Pelican Brewing Company, who they make my favorite beer. Uh, they all, they're on the uh, Oregon coast. Have you ever been here? I have not been to the brewing company, but I've had their beer. I used to trade beers when my brother-in-law lived in Portland and we would we would send each other, you know, packs back and forth. So I have had Pelican beer. We'll have to do an episode or something from there. It's on the beach. It's the most beautiful freaking place to go. It's a brewery on the beach. Is there ever a better thing that there will ever be than that? That, you know? I mean, I, I don't know if I could say those things, but there's very few, maybe. <laughs> No, that sounds lovely, actually. I think we, we should start doing some location episodes, maybe. Yeah, maybe next year when it's not going to kill anybody. All right, so we will go ahead and get into it. Do you want to do a quick quick cheers with me? Toast to it, yeah. Yeah, here's to 
Here's to David. <laughs> Here's to Sven and episode two. Yum. This week in episode two, I gave David Rubble Bucket's survival sounds. Thank you, Mr. Sven. We had talked about this a little bit in the intro as far as research and going in and mixes and all that sort of thing. When I research bands, and I, I would imagine a lot of this is probably the same. For some reason, this review made me really want to go over it because both the bands that we did this week are pretty indie to the point that there's not a lot of stuff on them online. Definitely Rubble Bucket much more than the other one. But even Rubble Bucket, there's not all that much about. There's a very, very small wiki page. And for research, I, I go to wiki first just to get the very, very basic information. When they, when they started, how many albums they have. And I make sure and I corroborate it with something else. If I'm having trouble with other facts, I'll go to one other page. What I try as hard as I can to do is not look at any other reviews. And that's for obvious reasons. I don't want my point of view skewed one way or another because of something that I read. For example, and I want to cite them just because I did go to them, Pop Matters for Rubble Bucket, because I couldn't find really any information on this album. And it's hard for bands like this. It's And the opposite, it's really hard for too, with bands like Radiohead, where there's Radio Wiki and there's all this lore and all these things that you can't necessarily corroborate. Is it true or is it not? And I'm saying this because, A, I want people to know that we are being as earnest as we can with these reviews. And B, I don't want people writing us being like, you know, a quick Google search and you would know (laughs) that Radiohead bleep, blah, blah. We know that. We're not idiots. And we know that we're not busting through the doors by saying that Kid A was good. We're just trying to keep our reviews as honest as possible without anybody else's input. That's my ramble, Sven. You can no, add I agree. to that if you I, like. I think it's similar for me. I do go to Discogs just so I could get track time Discogs and then like good. stuff like who the producer was or who, you know, who mixed the drums or something like that. So I do like that and they help kind of link. I love finding out you know, either band members or somebody that was a part of the album worked on this and this and this and just finding out who else they've worked with because that, in a weird way, it doesn't necessarily shape my opinion of the album or shape my my review too much, but it adds some background because then when I hear something, I know why it sounds familiar maybe. Yeah. I do do that. I try to avoid, like you, I try to avoid other reviews. For the most part, these two in particular this week, there weren't a ton of reviews out there to have to try to dodge around. So No, and there were um, a decent amount of reviews for Rubble Bucket. Actually, there were okay amount for both of these, but they were the type of places where the person maybe a little bit more of an independent journalist to where you couldn't really read much of it without getting way too good of detail about the music absolutely this album survival sounds by rubble bucket this was released in august of 2014 this is a brooklyn-based band 
which is not a surprise when you see them. I'm not one to talk since I'm sporting the mustache nowadays, but <laughs> Sven gave me the hipster band. I actually titled this review a well-aged kombucha. Uh, nice. And yeah. <laughs> I've got, I, okay. I've got, I've got to share a rubble bucket story with you then before we yes, jump in please. too far here. How I discovered this band. The first time I ever heard this band, it was Tree Fort Music Festival here in Boise. And I was at the main stage, just kind of hanging out there for the day, listening to all the different bands coming on the main stage. And I was, I don't know, maybe 20 feet from the the front of the stage and hanging out, drinking a beer while there was a set change going on and watching this artist paint this incredible chalk art piece on the, on the ground. This girl with face paint on, rainbow face paint, just making the coolest drawing. Next band comes on. This girl kind of stops and disappears. I don't know what happens to her. Crowd comes in to listen to the band. Kind of sort of tromples all over her nice art. I was kind of bummed. Get through that band. Next band starts up and they announce Rubble Bucket. You know, they come on stage and I'm like, oh my God, it's Face Paint Girl. And it was Anna Kalmea from Rubble Bucket. They're, they're one of their singers. I don't know. Whenever I see artists do that, and they just, they, they're fans too, because she was out there listening to bands and stuff. I love yeah. seeing that. In the few things that I saw, one of the things that seemed to be a common denominator with them is that their live shows are pretty fantastic. Oh, dude. There's so much energy. Yeah. So much energy. You're hopping around dancing the whole time so she's on vocals and brass there's alex toth on trumpet there's adam dotson on trombone ian hersey on guitar dave cole on drums jordan brooks on bass and on wikipedia they have the band member thing and it looked like there's a fairly decent amount of band turnover for this one so i'm not going to spend a bunch of time on who's been here for when and all that stuff this is their seventh fucking album right their seventh album they started in 2008 and their seventh album was 2014. That is a hardworking band. Yeah. What did you think that my favorite song on this would be? I kind of went back and forth between two. I think I finally landed on Shake Me Around. It's right in the middle. And if you're on the, the double vinyl, it should be the last song, I think, on on B. Yes. Yeah. So that's the one you think is my favorite. I had some complex feelings about side one. And I think it's just because of, you know, when you first start listening to a band, it's going to happen. But... Where you, I think, have the mind where you start hearing the sounds that are coming and, and where they're coming from and what they're using to get those sounds, mine automatically hears what I've heard before. And I heard a lot of other bands. And I'm not at all saying that they were ripping off other bands. Yeah, I'd, A song would come on and I'd be like, oh, that's Ratatat. Or a song would come on and I'd be like, oh, that's St. Vincent. You know what I mean? And it actually opens up a pretty interesting thought process uh, how much hearing an artist first affects you thinking that somebody is original or not because for all i know a song that sounds like saint vincent to me this could have come out three years before that song did or something like that and so i never whenever i say that i'm never saying that this artist stole that sound that's not at all what i'm saying it's just it kind of puts you in a, a mind frame to where you're thinking of that other song now. And, you know, there's the people that say that there is no original art anymore, right? Mm -hmm. You got 12, well, 11 notes, and then it repeats again, right? <laughs> if you're just on a yeah. traditional scale. When I first listened to it, the first couple of times it was, it was like, this is another 
Cold War Kids arcade fire sort of thing. When what you have to do is you have to listen to it five more times and then be like, oh, okay, this is why this is its own thing. And it's just like any other art or any other show or any other anything where I'm sure that they didn't hear the first Cold War Kids album and say, oh, we should do that. Right. I'm sure it's more of a, it's a parallel thinking, but the bottom line is, is that when you hear one thing first, that's what your head goes to. Mm -hmm. The first track on the ground is one of the ones where I don't hear any other bands. I just hear them. And I'll say it's interesting because I didn't realize that until probably the very end of the week of listening to them, where I was like, okay, so on the ground, that is one of the songs that that's just rubble bucket. Another big distinction with this band, and, and I know a lot of the other Arcade Fire era indie bands use it or the brass, but the brass in this band is so much more prominent. It is. It almost reminds me of like the very early 2000, 1999. I'm not going to say it sounds ska, but it sounds a lot of like the that revival of swing that came back where everybody... Even if you weren't a swing band, you threw some a horn section in there because the, the, it, it yeah. was the sound, you know, it's something about that bright brass tone. We'll just call it the mighty, mighty Boston. Yeah, that yeah. that era. We did that mm-hmm. in our band. Hell yeah, we did. Sometimes someone gets a good idea. You just got to milk it. And <laughs> if it works and it sounds good. Go yeah. So on the ground, really good starting track for the album. It really lays the groundwork for who they are and what this album's going to be. I will say, as far as sounding like another artist, the next track, Carousel Ride, and I am, I think I'm just going to go in order for this review, which I don't really like to do, but it just makes sense for this because the way that this album evolves per track means a lot to me. But yeah, track two, Carousel Ride, it's like the anti-Pursuit of Happiness, that Kid Cudi Ratatat song. It sounds so much like it, and it's even got the ratatat synth in the background. And it's even where Kid Cudi's Pursuit of Happiness, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. That's a whole on the outside. Yeah, life is great. You know, look at me. I'm drinking. I'm out partying. I'm having fun with my friends where on the inside you're just dying. This song is the opposite. This song is life is terrible. All these terrible things are happening. But fuck it. Just go along for the ride and make the best of it. And this all happened, I'm not going to get into it because it's, to me, it's not my business, but a lot of this album is about her battle with cancer while they were making this and touring with it. A pretty serious one. And it also, there were some other issues in there with that she's talked about openly so i feel like i can just say it where she's had a bad breakup that led to alcoholism so a lot of shit happened to make this album that's what carousel ride is to me That's a, that's a very, I love the way you put that. I will tell you that I'm, I'm not a big fan of the lyrics. They're very cheesy to me, but I can't not be a fan of it after knowing what she went through making this. What do you, yeah, what do you say? Like, no, you've got cheesy fucking lyrics. Well, I'm sorry that I had cancer, dude. I get what you, you're saying. Like, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> 
Some it's weird, and I I think like I struggle with that a lot of times too. Some of my favorite songs have the cheesiest lyrics, and honestly, it's it's so weird because I make fun of myself for liking it, and, and instead of making fun of the artist for writing it, yeah. Um, I honestly think, and I will totally admit this, and I'm okay with it. I think it's totally a sexist thing, because where I think the lyrics for this album are pretty cheesy, to where I just don't really feel it. The next album that we're gonna review have really cheesy lyrics too, but I love them. So I don't know. And maybe that's a stupid thing to admit on a podcast. Some truth. Oh, well. So that's out of Carousel Ride. They are actually my least two favorite songs back to back on the album. And that is the Sound of Erasing and Middle. Sound of Erasing, there's nothing wrong Mm. with Sound of Erasing at all. I like the kind of the pan flute thing they have going on in the background i like the choruses but it's all just fine for me and then that goes into middle which i like the guitar i like the bass i like the horns this is i know this is a mean thing to say especially for an artist that's letting us play their music but the lyrics the not the lyrics the vocals in this song annoy the shit out of me we're the we're in the middle holding on to one another like the the like just the vocal tone i just i don't like that (laughs) yeah yeah so that that takes us into rewind I really like the song Rewind. This is the one that to me sounded a lot like St. Vincent. And this is also, this is such an L.A. song. It's This does not sound like a band out of Brooklyn mm-hmm. on this. And then side one ends with Shake Me Around, which I don't know if you remember, but episode one, I told you that I was going to tie in the band that you gave me this week to Danny Elfman, who we were talking about with soundtracks. Right. Do you know who Oingo Boingo is? Why do I know Oingo Boingo? I yes. So Oingo, wait, give me a little. Oingo Boingo did Weird Science in the eighties. Yeah. Okay. That was Danny Elfman's band in the eighties, and the horns in "Shake Me Around" are such Oingo Boingo horns. Oh my god. Complete compliment, but they are. They're, they're total, they're total Oingo Boingo horns, which is... I really like the chorus. I love the very cool, the little guitar solo section in there. So that's the end of side A on the vinyl. Flip it over to side B, and to me, this is where Rubble Bucket is Rubble Bucket. This is, even though the first song, Young and Old, sounds a lot like Spoon to me. It's a super calm vibe with just a, a little bit of a guitar pluck and a really, really smooth beat. With nothing super special going on. But it's a great song. It's got great feel. This post-punk, awesome chorus, like steady calm of the verse, bringing out this major chord chime with the ooze in the background of the chorus it's it's really really well written and really really well produced they do that great a few times in this album they have these kind of ooh background vocals raising right. stakes into the song helping it build kind of just add, adding that texture and the dynamics and growing it that goes into my life the lyrics are cheesy to me again i think that i get what she's trying to say and I, I, I really like that. 
this band does a really, really good job of keeping the verses in, in one specific way to make the choruses bounce yeah. that much better. That's a really, really hard thing to do, and they they do it really, really well. Yeah. It definitely makes their hooks just hit a little bit harder, or yeah. at least gives it gives it a little more flight. I guess you you take off. Yeah, and yeah. it's even even if you think it's verse, course, verse. Exactly. There you go. Bam. Trademarked. Um, <laughs> Origami is the next song, and that's the only side two song that I'm kind of meh about. I don't like the clapping hipster clapping on it. I do really really like the lyrics to this song. Why, why can't it always, always be fun? Um, but I just don't, I don't love it in its entirety. I just, but I don't hate it. It's, it's, it's the one song in this album where the lyrics are actually, the lyrics and the vocals are the thing that's pulling me in that I really like. And I love the ending horns on it. And that, the ending horns go into Major Roxy, which I love the starting horns. It's got this kind of, augmented seven this have you ever have you ever seen the show bojack horseman i haven't the theme song for bojack horseman the intro song (laughs) for bojack horseman kind of reminds me of this song and it's funny because i looked up who wrote the theme song for bojack horseman and it's patrick carney the black key drummer dude oh and i can kind of kind of feel it um the drum beat on the breakdown and i just i love this whole song I'll just I'll say it now. This is my favorite song in the album. This song will be in my mix regularly. I'll probably start this episode with it. It's just from start to end. Major Roxy is nice. badass song. I love it. Nice. Yeah. So hey, everybody is next. Um, I don't know what I think about this song. I've listened to it. I still don't really know what I think. I almost feel like it's trying to be something that they kind of aren't, which isn't. That's not true, but. I mean, a band is whatever it writes, and there is cool development in the chorus. Uh, I like the I'm thankful for part, but if there was a song that to me didn't feel like it belonged in this album, it was this one. I can see that. When it comes to this album, I, I usually tend to like when more unique bands kind of embrace the poppiness. I like the blend a little bit, and they did it really well. I like the second half half of this album way more, and I to me that's a huge compliment because that was the the second half of this album was very unique. So yeah, I I really liked it. This is going to be in my my rotation moving forward. I've always found them just yeah, it's a fun band, a good time to just listen to. With this album, I'm kind of the opposite from you, and I think I like the first side better because of the familiarity oh. and the poppiness and. It felt a little more mm-hmm. catchy, I guess. So it's a little more radio friendly. Uh, on the yeah, first radio side. friendly, and I think that's that's just I think when I got introduced to this band, that's the mood I was in. I was looking to just dance and party, have a good time, and yeah. that's what stuck. All right, so we're gonna go to the categories now. I'm gonna start this with the worst review of the album on Amazon. There's only one, one out of five star review it's by christopher james bagley who i mean keep these people bought the out i don't know it's so weird but anyway this guy review is bad decision techno gag don't know what i was thinking gave to goodwill <laughs> that's that's I love his that review. He called it techno <laughs> 
Like I don't even know what that. Okay. What is, I don't even know what that. Amazon never fails. All right. So next next category are the lyrics good. Is the lyricist a good writer? Best uh, and worst I lyrics. Think we know where you stand on this. Yeah, but I can't. <laughs> I can't say anything bad about it, dude. It's. I get it. I get the cheesiness. And maybe that's not even what she was going for. Maybe she's giving me the finger saying it's not cheesy. It's just good lyrics. <laughs> they probably are. I mean, there's, I think I was a bird in another life. Maybe that's why I'm prone to flight and to do like heights. I mean, <laughs> that's cheesy, man. Uh, that's, it, it reminds me of a little, what maybe a teenager maybe would write. Uh, rank the uniqueness. <laughs> I'm giving it a six out of 10. And it's because of what we talked about. I've just, I've heard all these sounds before. Right. It's not a diss. It's just, it's how it is. And influences and influencees. It's pretty much everyone I mentioned. I heard Spoon. I heard Ratatat, who you could go much farther back in synth if you're going Ratatat. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Lowe Timeless Award. I think yes and no. It seems like they have a very strong cult following. That will always be really into them. But I do think they will get lost in the shuffle of the 2000s indie arcade fires of the world. Mm -hmm. Never mind the Bullocks Award. I have no idea if this is their best album because this is the only album of theirs I've ever listened to. Have you listened to other albums of theirs? Yeah, they just came out with one. um, Just like this fall or the summer. They, They just released another one. Sun, oh. I believe it's called Sun. And I haven't dug into oh. it other than maybe like a, a couple of tracks. Survival Sounds has been the rubble bucket world for me. John Paul Jones Award. The only person that I could think of that I might want to hear doing the vocals for this is, I don't know if you know of Dead Weather, but Alison Mosshart, the lead singer to Dead Weather. She'd be fun to listen to singing on this album, I feel like. John Popper Award for the best hook. For me, it's the song On the Ground, the chorus for On the Ground. Yeah, it's me too. The hook for On the Ground with the, the distorted bass and the kind of heavy hi-hat, it's, that's my favorite hook on the whole album. And even though I don't even, I, I don't think I put ev- this song even on one of my top three songs for the album, that hook is, it's perfect. I totally agree. Like I said, that one's my favorite track, though, so... <laughs> and then the uh, the Eddie Van Halen Award. I love the horns in Roxy, but my Eddie Van Halen Award is the bass in my life. Oh, nice. The chorus for the bass, that upscaling, that dun 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 That's my favorite. That's the riff. The part of the whole album. Surfer Rosa Award. It, it depends on how you look at it, obviously, from what we've been talking. For me, this is kind of the definition of a Surfer Rosa album. They have all their kind of poppier stuff at the beginning, the beginning. All the really, really catchy, great stuff. And then the second stuff, the kind of weirder stuff where you really hear them starting to do their own thing. Uh, to me, it it definitely was the time of your life award, which we're that's what we're calling it. I'm not calling it good riddance. <laughs> the middle, we already talked about this. The middle is the worst song for me. And then, uh, okay, so three best songs on the album. Rewind was really really close 
for me, but I'm going young and old, number three. Number two is my life, and it's really all because of that freaking bass line. And then number one is Major Roxy. What are your top three songs on this album? Uh, well, obviously, we, we've been talking about On the Ground is my favorite. Let me not mix up the order of the other two. On the Ground, we, we talked that to death. That's my favorite. Shake Me Around, number two. And then it's between Major Roxy and I I, I don't know what I mean here. My, I wrote D1, <laughs> D2. Anyway, the one is next to Major Roxy. The two is on Hey Everybody. I will I will dance my ass off to the, almost this whole album. <laughs> and then uh, who won the album? I'm going with, I'm sorry that we don't even know how to pronounce her name. Kalmaya. Kalmaya? Traver. Yeah. Shit, man. She went through a lot. Came out with this album. She won the album. So my rating of this album, I'm giving it uh, 8 out of 10 Fixie Bikes. When I started listening to this album, I thought it would be more like a 6. But this album really, really grew on me. And even though I'd only recommend it to very specific friends, mm-hmm. this is an album that I'll be humming their songs. Like, I'm pretty I'll impressed with the myself. 8 out of 10, too. That surprises me. It's really good. I'm impressed with it. Did you say Fixie sure. Bikes? Yeah. It's the, the hipsters, hipsters were really... <laughs> uh what what would you rate this album um i feel like i have to say something just a little bit different i realistically probably on the same page I, i'll give it one better though i'll go nine out of ten good job rebel Bucket. yes we'll take a break and we will be back So stoked for this one. For this week's album, I gave Sven Crux by Moontooth. Yes. Crux by Moontooth. So this was a 2019 album. They're a US band. I think I have that they're they're their genre listed as heavy metal. I'd say there's a heavy prog influence there. I'd call it prog rock, maybe a little bit. But there's there's some other things happening there that I, I'll get into when I when I get into the tracks and stuff that I don't know it's not it's not just a simple prog rock band for me. Do you mind if I read off the uh, band members real quick? Yeah, go for it. Go for it. So we've got John Carbone. I hope that's how you pronounce it on vocals. We've got Nick Lee on guitar, who I want to thank Nick Lee again for giving me permission to play some of these tunes. It's really awesome that he directly contacted and said that it was cool. I hope someday we can talk to you about how amazing of a freaking guitarist you are. I'd love to talk guitar with that guy. Yeah. Uh, Ray Marte on the drums and Vin Romanelli on the bass. And that's Moontooth. So side note about Ray Marte on the drums too. I understand that he actually did the audio mix and mastering oh, for his drums, wow. which I think if if he really did that himself, he's got some incredible ears that are unbiased and he, cause it's mixed really, really well. That's pretty impressive. And then I will guess, I, I just wanted to throw out my guess for your favorite song on this album. I, I wanted uh-huh. to pick Raise a Light, which is the very last song in the album. And we'll, we'll talk about why that song is so unique but i actually just went with track one which is trust all right um all right cool well let me let me dive into the review overall with this with this album i think this was a great example of catchy writing and then incredible production now i know there's going to be people that listen to this album 
especially like some metal purists maybe and are probably going to complain about the amount of compression I mean, this is a pretty squeezed album. It's dynamic range. There's not a whole lot of loud soft. Their soft parts are still almost right there, which to me gave it a very, like you could, I, any track off of this would play easily on mainstream rock radio. There's some point where it just hits you in the face with, with a few exceptions. So it made it hard, hard hitting, high energy. This is a road trip album. If you have to drive a bunch and you need that energy and you need something good to listen to, this would be one of those go-tos for me. And I love to drive. So when I say that, that's a compliment. It's, and hopefully I'm not stepping on your toes anywhere later in the review by saying this, but it, another part of the sound for this album that I think a lot of metalheads might have a problem with is the vocals. Mm-hmm in that it's not a lot of screaming, it's not a lot of growling. Yeah, he's putting some dirt behind some of his vocals and stuff, but he's just singing. Yeah, he's definitely the right singer for this band. What he does with his voice is absolutely right for this album. In the 2000s, we had all these Nickelbackian bands. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a word I'm going to coin, Nickelbackian. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like the market overcompensated to where everything had to be this extremely crazy screamy heavy and it hey if if that's what you're into don't let this turn you off from listening to moontooth because they'll give you some of that it's just not predominant they're a really well-rounded band that, yes. i think that's what i'm what i'm trying to say yes. is that they're really well-rounded really well-produced band um track one trust this was kind of that immediately out the gate i was like this could be mainstream rock radio it's like pop punk chords the vocals even like every the, the production it keeps me interested especially mm-hmm. uh the, the drummer side of me i love bands like this because i go nuts just listening to the drums i feel it's kind of unfair to a lot of the rest of the band because i probably that's i get sucked into the drums i'm sorry the drums in this song are fucking unbelievable yeah absolutely the parts that he writes with all these tempo and time signature changes um anyway track two omega days those hard guitar riffs i think one of my favorite hooks in the whole song this is where i kind of lose is it really still a prog band or are they just hard heavy metal they, they mellow out i think around the two minute mark they have like this mellow part it's like soulful and then the music drops out it's just the vocals and then the band comes back in and oh man yeah. i fucking yeah. love that breakdown Really well arranged. Um, I love it so much. And that's how they're getting their dynamics, right? It's not in the production because, like, like I said, it's the way they arrange. Yeah. They they remove instruments, they add instruments. Anyway, I'm gonna try not to get too nerdy with like the production shit because, uh, honestly, that's where I focused a lot of my energy. Oh, it's good. with it's... this album. So yeah, kudos Moontooth for. Yeah. Like, yeah, this this I think was well thought out way before it hit whoever mixed and produced it and mastered it. So let's see what we are through Ash uh, track three, yeah. kind of delicate and sweet uh, intro. There's like a palm muted riff that kind of builds mm-hmm. and then it finally just kind of like creates some space. Things kind of just open up for the vocals to come in and then like it kind of goes to this halftime groove thing. I love it when people do that. They kind of like build into the track that way. I don't want to say it's a throwaway, but it just seemed like a bridge 
between trying to get from Omega Days to the next song. And okay, so this is like a moment of truth too, I should say, like as I was listening to this, I did a lot of jumping around this time. When I gave it the initial start to finish, I looked back at my notes and there were certain things I jumped around. So there may be things that that, that I'm missing as far as connectivity through the album. There's definitely some parts of this album just in general, that feel forced. I'm just going to just mm-hmm. keep rolling on. The dissonant chords at the start. It's like this hard groove that they jump into. This, this is one of the ones that made me think I could go on a road trip and listen to this. It's fun. When they go into the never hide behind the way I was born, I don't know what yeah. the hell he's talking about in this song, but it's cool to me. You know, you know what I mean? Right, right. <laughs> I always figured you're writing a song. It's some lyrics that fit. Maybe not. I think that's because you were in too many bands with me. (laughs) Whatever word fucking works, man. So yeah, I never put too much weight into a lyric that sounds cryptic. Um, Thorns, again, like this one's emo maybe for me. I'm trying to think of like who it sounds like. I think you're right. This is the only song on the album that to me the the vocals and the lyrics kind of make it make it what it is yeah i don't know i almost don't want to say this a little bit of it reminds me of some my chemical romance <laughs> like is that a see okay so let's just do a verse chorus verse hot take of the night right now verse chorus verse hot take i fucking love my chemical romance okay i'm not gonna hide from that yeah i mean yeah Yeah, anybody that says that my chemical romance can't shred is lying but yeah (laughs) i don't know i I get what you're saying though anyone from moon tooth listens to this and they're like my chemical what the fuck yeah that to me is what thorns is their emo song on this album getting into rhythm and roar this is one where I started really paying attention specifically to Nick Lee. Yeah. yeah. I think there's this really smart guitar solo. Mm-hmm. We already know he can shred, but this solo, the note choices, not trying to rush things, it's artsy. Gets I love the it. Siren thing going. Yep, yep. And, and just like the, the chords just by themselves and the time signature. I don't know if they did this. There's a vocal effect that when they go into like the bridge or like pre-chorus, there's like this roaring effect that happens with the vocals. And so, I don't know if that's you just know what I put in my notes and I made up my own thing that it should be called and i call it the voctive abuser (laughs) to the voctive abuser yeah if you can listen to a song like this and the guy comes in screaming give me a torch and i'll burn this fucker down you've got to be That is an anthem. It, that's it. it is. And then Motionless in Sky, these cool arpeggios. I'm always a fan. You get me right away right there. If you start off with some arpeggio little runs, I love that. And then like, again, they do this thing where they calms down and creates some space for some vocals to come in. Mm-hmm. The time signature in this one was really cool groove because it had a really steady groove, but there was just something just, just syncopated enough. This triplet feel maybe it was like an interactive experience because i felt like i had to participate to be able to absorb what was going on can i go on a little bit of a rant do it about on this it's song your podcast 
So I don't like this song. What? And I don't like this song for one reason. And it's because of the vocals. Even though he's doing some awesome stuff with his voice, he, he does some really awesome stuff with his voice. Yeah. The lyrics are actually good. It is this weird meandering all the way through that, okay, a vocalist doesn't always need to fucking sing in a song. And I've always felt like this in every album. And to me, if you listen to the song again and you really think about it, if there were no vocals in this song, this song would be so goddamn good. This song would be amazing. And that's why I always think if, if you're going to be in a band and you're, and this is coming from a vocalist oh, yeah. that has done this, that it has completely failed in jam sessions because I don't know what the hell to do in a song. In that case, just don't be in, the, just stay out of it or learn how to play a guitar. So when that lead guitarist is doing his arpeggios or his insane things, you can just play rhythm guitar in the back and make it sound even beefier. That's my rant. Not every song needs vocals. There, there oh, we go. Dude, I'm done. I absolutely love that you said that because in a, in a lot of ways it highlights, <laughs> I think, the different ways that you and I listen to music. So anyway, pulling us back out of the rabbit hole here, Thumb Spike. Uh-huh. This one, Metalheads. If you don't want to just start at track one and you're looking for something to get you hooked into Moontooth. Hey kids, are you a Motley Crue fan? Yeah, Thumb Spike. Go right there. It hits hard. And I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say about it. I enjoyed this track a lot because of that. But I didn't dissect it that much. It is what it is. It's just a freaking hard-hitting, yeah. hard rock song. They followed it up by kind of mellowing out a little bit all at all angles. Nice little mellow intro. I'm going to use the word sweet again. This one definitely really? has... I don't know. You don't think so? I'll tell you, this is my punch through the bag song. When really? I'm about to go uphill on a workout, I'm putting this on. Yeah. I'm not going to say anything on this album. It's like light. We're not. We're, there's no yeah. ballads here. So yeah, yeah. track 10 title track. This kind of combines what I like about motionless and sky and thumb spike cool guitars, but then also allowing space for vocals, but then also metal heads. Yeah. Yeah. He goes full metal in this one. Yeah. Give this track like wait till the end. Honestly, starting about a minute and a half, it starts picking up. And then like the Tom, I don't know, tribal um, builds and builds and builds. And then, yes. Oh, my God. It's another one of those like punch you in the face. And if you're looking for some screaming, his vocals are just I think it's around the three minute mark or something. His vocals just take off there. It's another level when a singer holds it back and they use it sparingly. Because then it has an impact. I totally forgot to go into this whole thing here. Producer on this. So I'm backtracking here. The producer on this, right? There's actually two listed in the credits. First one, Mark Morton. He's a guitarist for Lamb of God. Oh, Um, really? So Metalheads. Wow. And then the producer, Machine. When I I saw that, I, I looked up Discogs and saw him listed and was like, I know that name, his list of clients. He's done Clutch, Lamb of God, Fallout Boy, Gym Class. Holy shit, really? So I'm totally seeing where a lot of this sound comes from. The production that he chooses takes some of these things like the ending of Crux and just like hits you over the head with this other level of, uh, it's like a wall of sound. I really loved Crux because of that. It's It was my favorite. I know we got one more one more Crux? track to go through, but I feel like I Crux just have to come out favorite. and say, yeah, Crux was my favorite. Tile track was my favorite. But Raise a Light, 
Was this your pick for me? No, Trust, the very first song. Trust, the very first one, that's right. Nice, a little 6-8 groove. I think it was a good way to close this out. It's subtitled Epilogue, and it sounds like an epilogue. Yeah. I love the guitar work in this. It's almost got like a doo-wop yeah. feel. I, yeah, Cool. It puts the album to bed pretty nicely. This was a tasty choice to end end the whole thing. I am so glad that you introduced me to Moontooth because this was my first exposure to this band. And I'm definitely going to, they're going to be on my list. Anything they ever come out with in the future. Guys, if you're listening, um, I can't wait for the next one. Moontooth, you won yourself over a new fan. They deserve it. So we'll go into the album awards and categories. I don't have a worse review. This Amazon didn't have a bad review of this album. There really weren't any bad reviews. There were a couple metal reviews that I looked at the first sentence of. They were all pretty positive. So no, no bad reviews yet. What about uniqueness of the band? Yeah, it wasn't super unique. Any track on this album would fit mainstream radio stations, like syndicated mainstream radio. So as far as uniqueness, no, I think this is kind of, it's not unique, but it's cool. What about the Nevermind the Bullocks Award? They only have one other album. I've listened to it vaguely once, and I would say off the bat that this is the best album, but it's one other album, so you can't really, we don't know. The uh, John Paul Jones Award, would you replace anybody or anything like that? The only, anytime we do this style of music, can I just say Axl Rose? <laughs> you can. I like the lyricist. And I just, it'd be fun to hear like a Axl Rose or I wrote down even Ian Gillen from Deep Purple. Oh, yeah. Or even like uh, Tate from Queens, right? Go, go full, clean, low baritone and like something like that. I don't know. Okay. Okay. If I was thinking going like disturbed or like that kind of, just, maybe oh, because it's the same kind of that yeah. deeper hey, vocal quality, but just like I a little more that. emphasized. Uh, John Popper, best hook. Do you have one? Yes. I love the hook on Omega Days. Yeah, or on Trust. That whole song was kind of hooky yeah. and catchy to me. Yeah, I had that. I love the end of Rhythm and Roar where he's singing the whoa, whoa, and there's the siren guitar solo going on. But my favorite hook is in Odd All Angles where he's saying, I'm white water, white water, white water. I don't know what it is about that. Uh, what about the Eddie Van Halen Award? Oh, man. My favorite of his solos is the, the one that was in Rhythm and Roar um, because I thought it was a really smart one. Yeah, it, it was tasty, intelligent note choices. So I agree. I'm going to go with a drum part. In Trust, there's a breakdown, and there's a part towards the end of the breakdown where it, I, I don't know what he's doing. He's alternating the snare. I don't know if he's rotating from the hi-hat to the ride and switching hands. It's, it's incredible. That's my riff solo award. He's just ripping it right there. So the Surfer Rosa Award. What do you think of the B-side? I felt like it kind of, there was a difference the second half of the album from the first half. Um, like I said, it started climbing a little bit more for me. The first like five songs were, were fairly just plateau for me. 
then the second half of the album is what I really enjoyed. It started taking off. Gotcha. Uh, Time of Your Life Award. What's your least favorite song on this album? Um, I don't know that I have like a least favorite. Uh, you, you know, do you want to know what mine is? It's your favorite song on the album. Are you serious? You didn't like Crux? It's my least favorite on it. I like all right. the songs on this album, but I think I don't know. For me, I don't know. You don't have to. I really they don't. were nice enough to let us play their music. <laughs> yeah. I can't pick on them. Good. Okay, so this leaves us to the best songs in the album. I will say, I think you already said yours, so we'll just... I threw mine out way early. Premature evaluation. Oh, well, that's... <laughs> you just named the episode. That was... That's fried gold right there, son. Uh, <laughs> I'm going number three, Rhythm and Roar. Number two, Trust. Number one, Odd All Angles. Those are my top three songs on the album. Uh, say yours again for the kids at home. So Crux at the top for me. That was my number one. And then Thumb Spike and then Motionless in Sky. That is. Yeah. So two of my, my two least favorite songs are on your top three. That's awesome. That's why we do this. Yeah. All right. Who on the album? Ooh. I mean, this is like drummer versus guitar fighting it for who's the hero here being forced to pick i think i'm gonna say nick lee on guitar super tasty there were some really nice grooves really nice parts for my who on the album i'm just going for rock in general where you see this as mainstream i see rock as going two different ways with the growling screamers and the cheesy fallout boys i just think this is a really really great rock album all right so what would you rate this album sven i think this one for me is going to be a eight out of ten that's that's high like i said i'm I'm gonna go back and keep listening to it it's gonna be regular rotation awesome yeah i'm giving it a uh, nine out of ten half drag drum rolls <laughs> i love this album it's very close to perfect so yeah i'll give it a nine out of ten and that's, that's it. That's, that's it for episode it. two. Next week, join us for episode three when uh, one of us is going to review the first rap album on the podcast and the other one is going to talk about a pretty underrated indie band of the last 20 years. This is Verse Chorus Verse. Please download our episodes, like them, review them, tell people about them. Go to versechorusverse.com. And, and really serious, anyone has something to add or you disagree with us, tell go us. to the contact page on versechorusverse.com. Yes. Send us a message. Tell us what you disagree with or what you like because this is a conversation um, and we'd love to hear. It's good to see you. I hope your arm feels better. Good job getting vaccinated and we will see you next week. episode description for all song credits thank you again to rubble bucket and moon tooth